Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and we're back with some more running and Bible study goodness. And with me once again is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Man, it's good to get back on the road here and going. So have you ever had one of those nights where you... uh you just got so much on your mind that you kind of wake wide awake at like three o'clock in the morning and it's like, I might as well just get up. I have done that. Yeah. I did that this morning. So I'm just a little bit so tired you, right now. So if I kind of start dozing off, you know, just reach over and smack me or something. So no, either, I won't doze off. you're either going to doze off or you're going to be a little punchy. Right. So we, we may have to. Yeah. 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 But uh, I may I'm telling you what, though, you from the today. hours of three thirty. To seven thirty, you can get so much done. It's peaceful, isn't it? Not a peep in the house. No dogs barking. No kids slamming doors. It's just it's dark out, so you don't want to you don't want to get outside and do something. And yeah, I mean, I got so much done in that period of time, but I'll I'll crash like a log tonight. Well, unfortunately, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum because I didn't fall asleep until after midnight last night mm. because I just laid there. I read for a while, and I, I felt like. I wasn't done reading, but it was like, well, it's, I normally, I'm, I'm, I'm asleep by 10 normally. Yeah, me too. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I've got to get in bed. It's, it's almost 11 o'clock. I closed my book and I just, I just couldn't sleep last night. So probably in anticipation of this very podcast, that's probably why it might've been something else, but it's probably this podcast. Because you strive to make them so good. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Hey, have you ever learned anything from a puppy? (laughs) Well, Rhonda Williams shares an experience that will warm your heart and make you think at the same time. And then, do you obsess over what you wear when you run? I know people who do, but in Dean's thoughts today, I'm going to talk about designer labels and why they may be actually more important than you think. I think this is just another one of the places where, man, you're pretty much on the same page. Yeah, we I think, think so. a lot alike here. But hey, before we get started, let's talk about this week's sponsor. Uh, one Source Business Products is Dalton's only locally owned office supply company. Barry and Matt and all the guys down there, they're, they're great to work with, great Christian guys. Um, if you're looking for office supplies, furniture, printing, janitorial, custom forms, or stamps, They've got you covered, and the price is always right. That's why we. That's why they say we compare, you save. Uh, call them today, 706-516-3900, or you can look them up online at onesourcebp.com. They say One Source Business Products, your <laughs> one source for business solutions. All right. We have a Facebook post from last week. Here's one that's... Uh, This one's a little bit shorter than some of the other ones we've had, but I thought it made a good point. Haven't posted in a little while. I have been running. To be honest, I have not followed the plan exactly the past few weeks. I've been feeling sorry for myself as my running friend for about 10 years has moved to South Carolina for a job opportunity. I do know God has a plan for her, and I'm happy for her. Now, who is going to make me get up at 5 a.m. to run? I did do my 10K yesterday at the Bill Brewer Honor Run. 
I went the wrong way. And at the end, I got in another 0.2 miles. <laughs> Didn't let that stop me. I turned around and kept going. Hashtag to God be the glory. Plus, they had donuts at the finish. <laughs> Getting back on the track with the plan. Thankful for this group. You are all a blessing. I'll bet she turned around if there was donuts at the finish. Yeah, man, I would too. <laughs> that, that'll make me run. I'll tell you that. That's from Beth ba- Ballin. I'm not sure if that's the way you say her Balin? last name. Ballin? Ballin, yeah. maybe? Ba- uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you say her last name. But, but Beth, thanks for that. Um, anybody that's been running for any length of time knows this feeling mm-hmm. of just struggling. Um, and, and in this case, a friend moves away. But there's so many other things that can upend us and get us outside of that flow of continuing to get our workouts and our runs in. And we can find ourselves kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that point, what do we need to do? Just stop. Just, yeah. Just cut it out. Yeah. Just get back on track. Just keep going. Keep That's... keep running. You know, I, I kind of had a little bit of a reality yesterday. Um, we've talked on here. I'm kind of the, the coming back to running. I'm in that mm-hmm. camp right now. And one thing we've talked about for many years, and I just kind of let it slip my mind, but uh, I went running yesterday afternoon, and it was hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was reminded that you got to back it down a little bit yeah. when it's really, really hot. Yeah. And Because uh, I noticed I was trying to run my normal pace, and I was actually watching my heart rate, which I don't do much, but um, I've got Lane's hand-me-down watch, and it's got all these <laughs> cool heart rate things on it. And I was noticing that I was I was having to keep a, a slower pace than normal um, in that heat. So for all of you out there, if, if you're struggling in the heat, just back it down a couple of notches. Yeah, it'll help fine. a lot. Yeah. It'll help a lot. And then always remember, we get to run. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. So um, if I can ever get to that point where I can believe that and buy into that, I'm always good. So trivia question from last week. Did you get this one? Nope. This was a trick one. You tricked us all, Dean. (laughs) In keeping with our Olympic theme of the past several weeks, who was the first American male to finish the 1980 Olympic marathon? And what was the story there? Um, Yeah, that was, uh, it's hard for me to pull off a trick question. Um, But this, this was definitely one of those. It was. One of those things. Yeah, so if you didn't know the answer to that one, shame on you. You should know your history, and you should know that Well, the, maybe good for them if they didn't know the answer. Because if you're like me and you thought you knew the answer, then you, you really didn't know. Yeah, yeah, well. And, and I can see why, well, I don't know. It's the 1980 Olympics in Moscow. The United States led a boycott. So the United States wasn't at the Olympics in 1980, so no male finished so if you drew a blank then maybe there was a reason then you were kind of (laughs) right uh which i didn't drew a blank i actually had a name in in mind which i don't even know if the guy i was thinking of has ever even ran an olympics and i'm not gonna say his name because i don't want to be like a fool but uh we'll talk about it after but yeah that was a it was a trick question because we weren't even in the olympics Yeah, the Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan, and of course, President Carter, and I'll say this, I give President Carter a lot of, a lot of credit for going, we're going to draw a line in the sand. If you guys don't back it back down, mm-hmm. then we're going to boycott the Olympics that are in your country. And um, he did that like in February, mm-hmm. and he, th- we got to that point, he's like, all right, but he gave them some more chances, 
uh, it just got to the point where they weren't gonna they weren't gonna cooperate, and we weren't the only ones who who boycotted. Obviously, there were sixty five countries that joined that bo- that boycott, and so the nineteen eighty Olympics were not not very good from a um, quality standpoint. So, what are your thoughts on boycotting? Because I'm I'm very conflicted there. Because you know there was talks this year that the U.S. You know, you, you started hearing whispers because of everything that's going on with China and everything um, that the U.S. might boycott. And I, I really got upset at this one, but mainly because I I know one young lady personally who who is going to the Olympics in triathlon. And so to know somebody and to know how hard these athletes work. Yeah. And, I mean, s- some of these people work their whole life. It's true. And they've got one shot. Mm-hmm. And then for the governing body to say, oh, we're not going because we have a political disagreement with that country. Well, you know, it, to me, the the Olympics is a, a worldwide thing. It may be in one country, but... Y- you got to think of the damage that you're doing to pretty much every athlete that's going. You can just about bet they've worked their whole life, yeah, to to get that opportunity and then to take that away from them. It's just horrible. Yeah, if you ask me if I agree with boycotts in general, um, I do agree with boycotts. I think boycotts should be personal, though. I don't think boycotts should be necessarily group things. Mm-hmm. I think it should be something that that you feel convicted to do. I think that in the case, the circumstances in 1980 were a little bit different. Uh, Let me tell you what. That's why I say I'm conflicted. Yeah. What's different about the the circumstances then and now is that the Olympics are in Japan this time. They're not in China. Right, right. If the Olympics were in China, would I feel a little bit different? Maybe, but they're not. Um, And I don't think that... uh, you can argue one way or the other whether what China is doing is is as bad as what Russia was doing mm-hmm. back then, because um, there certainly are some human rights violations in China. There's no mm-hmm. question, which is what this was all about with with Russia. So uh, so yeah, but but they're not in China. So um, so I don't think it would be appropriate to boycott these Olympics for sure. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you, you can find pretty much every Olympics. You can go back and you can find fault with the hosting country. Sure. And I don't know. That just... and I agree with you as far as the, the athletes go though. Yeah. It's, it's a real shame. I mean, we've got a, we've got another thing that's going on right now with Shelby Houlihan. I don't know if you know about that, but Shelby Houlihan's the best. She's the American record holder in the 1500 meters. Is that and, the girl that just got banned? Yep, yeah. She just got banned for four years. There's a lot and of controversy. There is a lot of controversy and there's a lot of circumstances surrounding that. I'm, I'm not big on believing somebody's defense when they say I'm clean because we've just seen it too much. Right. How how many times did Lance Armstrong vehemently deny ruin people's lives and ruin people's lives? Right. Yeah, so we we've seen enough of that. But I tell you the one thing about Shelby Houlihan and her situation that makes me sit up and notice is that Jerry Schumacher, her coach, mm-hmm. if you know anything about Jerry Schumacher is you never hear from Jerry Schumacher right. ever about anything. He doesn't give interviews to anybody. He, you just don't know what Jerry Schumacher is or thinks or does because you never hear him. Mm-hmm. He was very vocal about this one. So one of two things. I believe, I don't think Jerry Schumacher would put his reputation on the line if he believed that she was doing this. Mm-hmm. So she's either doing it on her own or she's not doing it at all. 
and I find it hard to believe she would do it on her own. So the the only problem is the circumstances surrounding it and what she claims happened is like is like a one in a million thing, mm-hmm. right? Is it possible? Yeah. It is possible. Yeah. We know scientifically it's possible. Yeah. So that's a hard thing. So for for Shelby Houlihan, who's twenty eight years old, her career's done. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the pinnacle of her career, just like you just said. Um, now, it's, this isn't from a boycott, but it is possible that she was the victim of some crazy circumstances that are maybe worse <laughs> than not yeah. getting to go because of a boycott. So yeah, and and yeah, and as unfortunate as that is, it's still one person. But you're talking about, I mean, how many athletes represent each represent the U.S. in the Olympics? I have no idea. It's a lot. Uh, over a thousand. Yeah. No. Yeah. Is it over ten thousand? It's a lot. I wouldn't think it would be ten thousand. Maybe it's ten. It's ten thousand for the whole Olympics, but there's like a thousand for for America. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's just a lot of dreams shattered. It is. You know, when you do that, because for a lot of sports, it's it's you got a window of opportunity. Yeah. You know, kind of like triathlon from mid twenties to mid thirties is. Is it really? Well, and we like to think, and of course, we've learned something different over the past few years in our own country. But I like to look at sports as if they are outside of politics, as if it's the it's a pure thing that is not part of politics. And and in my my mind's eye, in my opinion, I don't think politics should ever be a part no, of sports. Absolutely not. Now, whether or not an athlete chooses to do something on their own right. outside of the sport, that's up to them. There's and there may may or may not be consequences for what they do or whatever. That's that's a different thing. But the idea of getting to participate or not to participate based on on politics to inject a political theme into a sporting event, mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't agree with. I don't sure. like it because I want I want sports to be sports. Yeah, I want it to be about competition, and part of competition is is friendly competition. Mm-hmm. Is doing it. You know, it's like when we, you know, I go to a road race and there's a guy there that's that's my nemesis. You know, and I want to beat this guy. And what when the gun goes off, buddy? We're you know, we're at loggerheads. We're and gonna, it doesn't matter if you speak the same language or from the same country or what. Competition is competition. Right. And that's and, that's what. The sport is supposed to be about. But in the end, we're going to cool down together because right. this is a – the battle is outside of sure. the, the, the sport. So that's – yeah, that's my, my thoughts on yeah. it. So there, uh, in the 1980 Olympics, there were, there were some – some countries did different things. Some didn't boycott the Olympics. They boycotted the opening ceremonies. Hmm. Some, instead of participating as their country, some of the athletes participated under the Olympic flag mm-hmm. rather than under their country's flag. So there were other – there are other ways to go about this, which I thought was pretty cool and pretty creative uh, in doing it different ways. I think what happened for the United States was Carter put his foot down and thought he could demand something and get something that... They called his bluff. And they called his bluff. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, so... And there were a few other alternative events. Uh, track and field had the Liberty Bell Games in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, they were held the day after the Bislett Games, which are in Oslo, which normally they wouldn't have had because of the Olympics, but they did have them this time. They went ahead and said, let's go ahead and have the Bislett Games. Bislett Games are huge in track and field, and so people weren't going to skip the, the Bislett Games to go to the Liberty Bell Games, which was just kind of an upstart thing. But not a terrible quality field, but, but not too bad. So... Um, yeah, 
Uh, and then, of course, four years later, if you're not familiar with history and you didn't know the United States boycotted the Olympics in 1980, in 1984, the Olympics were in the United States. So guess what happened? <laughs> the Soviet Union boycotted hey, our Olympics. Yeah. And uh, not only them, but some of the other Eastern Bloc countries also did. What we found out later, though, is that those Eastern Bloc countries were involved in some pretty heavy steroid. Um, there is, they they uncovered evidence. I mean, real really positive evidence, and they they know for certainly certain that East Germany doped at least ten thousand athletes uh, in East Germany. Wow! Over the years. And so that's a lot of people. And so it doesn't bother me so much that they weren't in those Olympics. Um, as a matter of fact, in the 1980 Olympic marathon, Waldemar Cherpinski is the one who won it. He's also the one who beat Frank Shorter in the 1976 Olympics, where Frank Shorter finished second after winning in 1972. And Waldemar Cherpinski was found. He was one of those 10,000 people. He was one of those guys. I never saw him. I don't believe I ever saw him in any other race except the Olympics. Really? Well, why do you think that was? Because hmm. <laughs> he was doping. Um, so Frank Shorter and Don Cardong, who also finished fourth in the Olympics in 1976, have been leading this effort for years and years and years to get Waldemar Cherpinski's victory nullified. Obviously, the International Olympic Committee has not agreed with them. But it is what it is. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new JRadio app in your app store. All right, we're back. And have you listened to JRadio yet? Because if you haven't, you probably ought to check it out because it's pretty cool. We've got some playlists on there. There's a Run for God channel. Mm -hmm. I mean... What more can you ask for, right? Um, and mine's the best playlist, right? Well, the second best. It might be the second best after mine. I think it's the best. But uh, Yours doesn't have Southern Gospel in it. I mine think, has Southern Gospel in it. I so think, we'll just leave that right there. I think the people have voted. I think that uh, mine's been listened to more. So uh, that's all I'm I gonna, think I'm, you've been paying people to listen to it. I'm going to leave it right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so if you have questions, don't forget that you can send those to dean at runforgod.com, and uh, I'll be glad to answer those. I got a couple this week. I got uh, uh, some folks will, will go through Messenger. Uh, I'm really spotty on Messenger. Sometimes mm -hmm. I don't even notice when I've got a Messenger message. So, uh, yeah, if I don't answer that one, that's, that's probably why. Probably hey, while we're talking about the website, if you haven't been on Run For God Run Club lately, yeah. go on there and check it out. We're doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, we are not far away, probably a couple months away from runforgod.com and runforgodrunclub.com being merged. You know, when we started Run Club, we created something separate and we're, we're kind of working through the process of merging those two now. So got some really cool stuff going on in there. It's got a completely different look now. Looks great. Easy to navigate. 
Uh, we're just trying to to make it simple. So if you're a if you're a web guru, go in there and check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah, give us some feedback. Yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love feedback. Absolutely. And we want to hear your story. So we need we need some stories. We need some more stories, right? Yeah. Um, so if you've got a story and you do, we've said that before. Don't tell us you don't have a story because you've got a story and somebody needs to hear it that's right somebody needs to hear it and we've had people who have shared multiple stories right yeah we've had there's a number of people who will write one you know maybe one a year they'll send in a new story and it's just a new take i mean how many stories does irene tang have in our devotions books gosh i don't know but she's got (laughs) i think she has three in one book in one of them yeah yeah Yeah. we haven't heard from her in a while irene if you're listening hop back on uh Run club and and post the green everywhere. I hadn't heard from you in a while. Yeah, maybe we can just rip. Maybe we can just rip off one of her stories off of her blog. We should do that. We should do that. Just and then we'll ask her for permission later. Yeah, that'll yeah. be it'll be more yeah. fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, maybe you'd like to share your story live. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Kayla Maddox mm-hmm. shared her story. I got a I've got I got an email about Kayla um, this week saying. Man, really, uh, that that story really resonated with them. So uh, I got to talk to Kayla last night. She came to our church. Yeah, and uh, I pulled up. She had not seen the Facebook post where it has the audio and it's live, and she was so embarrassed. I mean, she, I thought she was going to crawl under the table when I showed her that. But uh, yeah, it's a great story. I mean, yeah, and I, I hit one of your other runners, Poe. Yeah, uh, I said she said every time Dean sends an email out, I just don't respond. So yeah, you know, I'm kind of one of those people. You just need to tell me. You're doing it at whatever time, and, and she'll do it. So yeah. So when you you're ready to cue her up, she's ready. I need to get her going. Yeah, I need to get she'd her be going. a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely an interesting one. <laughs> um, so, where is the strangest place you've ever learned anything and learned something? You ever so, learned something in a strange place? Well, I didn't learn something in a strange place, but when I saw this question, it made me think of something that I learned that is strange the yeah. other day. Yeah. You know, I love barbecue, I love steak, I love cooking on the grill, everything about that. I was watching a video the other night on, you know, you can tell I'm a a, a steak junkie when I'm watching YouTube videos on cuts of meats, and I'm trying to really learn all the different cuts. When you cut into a steak, and it's it's rare or medium rare, and you see the red running out, what do you assume that is? Well, you assume it's blood. That's what people call it. But it's not. So what is it? It's it's called myoglobin. Okay. It's a protein in the meat. So even even when you buy the meat in the package, you know there's kind of red around it, you right. know, maybe running out in the package. That's not blood. My so, whole life I have thought that was blood. Even when I was a kid, I liked medium rare steaks and I would order a blood steak. I never thought about it, but you would. I mean, it's not. It's not the consistency of blood, right? I mean, blood is thick. I guess. And, and, yeah. I mean, you know, you, I, I guess. you've bled. You know, you've bled. You've cleaned it up off the floor. It's sticky. It's it's not the same. Right. So, I never really thought about it though. So yeah. what? It, so myoglobin is it good for you? Bad for you? What? I mean, it's a protein. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's so. a protein that all meat has, and yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird that we're talking about. Myoglobin and blood on the Run for God podcast, but that—that yeah. that was uh, you. You said strangest place. Well, that was one of the strangest things I've learned in a while. Cause that is, I've always been convinced that that was blood. 
That is strange. Yeah, medium rare steak was bloody. That is strange. <laughs> hey, if you want to learn some cool stuff, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the Aerial America mm-hmm. videos? On like the Discovery Channel or something like that? I think yeah. it's on Smithsonian. Yeah. Aren't they great? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. If you're out there and, you want, and you're looking for something to binge watch, yeah. there's like one for every state. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. They are fantastic you you learn a little bit of history and you see a little bit of these beautiful sights and it's it's a little bit of everything it's really interesting yeah we just we love them we love them so we're we're about to go on vacation we're gonna go to utah and so we watched the one about utah last night oh did you yeah so we could learn the places to go because it's a great it's a great way to learn about that all right but this story um here is about lessons from trust from a puppy now, I've learned some stuff from some dogs, but not quite what Rhonda's learned. <laughs> yeah. Rhonda Williams, she's from Huntsville, Alabama. Long, long, she is a household name. Yep, for in sure. The run for God circles. We actually met Rhonda and her husband a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah, great lady. Yeah. Lessons on trust from a puppy. We went to PetSmart one Saturday a few months ago, and Madison and Madison's small pups rescue was out front like they usually are on Saturdays. They only had one little puppy this time, and she looked so small and scared in that cage that I couldn't resist stopping to see her. I picked her up, and I felt a strong tug on my heart, so I asked my husband if we could adopt her. He knows when I'm really seeking his opinion and when it's more of a, I'm doing this, and I really need you to get on board thing. So he said, happy anniversary. <laughs> we took our little star home. We named her after the story of the little boy and the starfish uh, and introduced her to her new brother and sister and went about trying to help her adjust to her new home. She was eight months old at the time, and it had a rough start to her life. She passed through four homes before landing in ours, so she had never experienced stability and was very fearful. I think she may have also been abused, or at the very least, was unwanted and unloved. Those first few months were difficult. She was so scared and did not trust us. Whenever I tried to pick her up, she tucked her head and tail, squealed, and crawled away. A couple of times she screamed, and I thought she was hurt, but she was just scared terrified actually it broke my heart i wanted so much for her to trust me to know that i love her and would never hurt her i wanted her to feel that she belongs to a family that truly loves her and will always take care of her there were a couple of times that i cried because my heart broke for her with lots of love and patience we began to earn her trust It has taken time and effort, but the scared, stressed, worried pup we brought home finally feels at home. She comes when I call her instead of hiding. She waits patiently for her turn when I hand out treats rather than grabbing ones and running off with it. Uh, And she plays. Oh, how she loves to play. She plays with her toys, her brother and sister. They're definitely getting more exercise now. And with her mom and dad. Sometimes she plays by herself, and I love to watch her. It warms my heart so much to see her relaxed and happy. She can focus on being the carefree, happy little puppy she was meant to be because she feels secure in the knowledge that her parents will protect and provide for her. If my heart could feel so much sadness for a scared little puppy that I would cry for her, 
how much more does God's heart break for us? I wanted so much for my little star to trust me that I made sacrifices to earn her trust. God sacrificed his son for you. When I look back at my life, I'm astonished that he didn't wash his hands of me a long time ago. I've been patient with Star, but he has been far more patient with me. If I can feel such joy from watching my carefree pup play, how much more joy do we give God when we trust him enough to relax and be the people he meant us to be? Oh, what joy he must feel when we let go of our fear, anxiety, and worry and just give it all to him. He wants to take our problems. They are not a burden to him. He wants to provide for us so we can focus on his plan for our lives. He wants to do the hard work. So all we have to do is just trust and obey. That's a great story, Rhonda. Yeah, you know, we read the stories of the Israelites and we wonder why they were so dumb to do these same things over and over again. It's easy to point fingers at them. It is easy. But then we fast forward to today and really nothing has changed. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I, and I've really, I've recently have, have thought this. I mean, this has been a thought that's gone through my mind is our society is turning into Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and you go, gosh, how bad was that place? How in the world did they get there? And then you see these little bits mm-hmm. of Sodom and Gomorrah creeping into our society. And it's really scary. What yeah. do you think about it from that standpoint? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked not too long ago about about you know, where they were when, when Jeremiah was around and, and he was throwing up the warning signs. And, you know, we made the comment back then, we, we need more Jeremiah's today because we're headed down the same path. We are. Um, if you take, you know, in the Bible, in, the, in Scripture, a lot of times we hear about the worst parts of those days. And if you take a highlight clip of the worst parts of our days today, it, it, it would rival or surpass yeah. what was done in the Bible. And, um, yeah, we, we all need a little Jeremiah in us to start throwing our hands up and saying, whoa, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the truth is the voices on the other side are louder. Much louder. That's the, that's the really scary part. Yeah. Um, and we're just not learning lessons. We've got lessons to learn. Yeah, and we, you know, we, I, we, were, we were recording um, one of the 10K Challenge episodes yesterday, and we were talking about how, you know, it's it's easy to throw rocks at the Israelites back then, and, you know, because they had a pillar of fire and a uh, at night and a pillar of cloud by day and the, the Red Sea parted. But we have those things today. It's it's not as pronounced as those, but, I mean, we have miracles happen around us every day, but we chalk them up to other things. Yep. You know, we you know it's, it's the wonders of medicine. Well, how did the medicine get here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I've always right. what I've always wondered about biblical times because you brought up a really good point that the only thing that we're seeing there are the that bad side mm-hmm. of what was what was going on. How many good people were there? How many people were there trying to be good? Because mm-hmm. um, you know there had to be some. There mm-hmm. had to be some that were going. I can't believe all the stuff is going on around me. Well, I mean, but, we just talked about Jeremiah. I but, mean, he was... Well, and he was vocal about it. Right. But then there were people, I wonder how many there were that weren't vocal about right. it. Right. Like, like, like we are today. Sure. Like so many of us are today. We're living, we're trying to live a good, as, as clean a life as we can. And all around us, there's chaos. But we're not really speaking up about it. We're just, we're just not participating in it. And 
Um, you wonder if 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 God looks at silence as guilt. Yeah, yeah, it's a really that's good a, question. That's a scary thought. It really is because um, so many times we just don't want to get involved, or you know, that's not my place, or um, yeah, y- yeah. Matthew six twenty five through thirty four. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It makes me think of, we've talked about the quote Tom Eliff made um, one year at our church when he was preaching. He said, stress equals selfishness. Yeah. Um, when we take all this on ourselves um, and don't give it to God, that's us saying God can't handle this. Yeah, and that's selfish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've got to start looking at the word worry. The word worry is a five-letter word, mm-hmm. but we need to start looking at it like it's a four-letter word mm-hmm. and avoiding it just as much. Right. Because it really is. Yeah. Um, worry is is a, and it's, gosh that. The people that I know that that live by it, but it's so self-inflicted. It you know is. that we've we've talked about on on this podcast before. My my word for really the past while has been peace, and it's the opposite of stress. And yeah. but I've as as I'm making intentional steps to try to to take away stress, to try to live more at peace. My eyes are open. I I, I was. I was thinking about it just this morning. I, I had a meeting uh, with a grading contractor. And you know how I am. I am. If the meeting's at 8 o'clock, I'm there at 7.30. Well, I'm waiting on him. Well, he calls me at 5 till 8 and says, hey, I'm running a minute or two late. I've got to run by and get a, a tool that he was needing. He said, I'll be right there. Well, he shows up at 8.30. Wow. And... He was just frazzled. I mean, it's 8.30 in the morning, and he is already completely frazzled. Yeah. And what I've learned through seeing people like him and the way I used to be is sometimes we got to say no. You know, sometimes we, we take on so much stuff, and many times it's good stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the devil's in our schedule. Mm-hmm. The devil's number one goal is to fill our schedule up so that we don't have time for God or that, so that we stay frazzled and stressed and and— you know, that's one thing I've really learned to do the past couple of years is just say no. Yeah. You know, more money, whatever it's 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 not worth if it worth it if it if you're constantly stressed all the time, which uh, I think you mean you say it in here. St- stress is sin. You say worry is sin, but st- I mean that's that's putting that's trying to put faith in ourselves. Yeah. We need to be putting our faith in God, and sometimes it's just saying no. Yeah, don't you think too that that uh, a lot of people justify their worrying, their stress, by saying, "Well, I'm just concerned," as if the word concern and the word worry or stress are it's the same. The same word. They're they're not the same. Concern is different. We're concerned for somebody. I, our, our music minister is in a hospital right now. Um, he's got cellulitis and. He needs prayers. We're concerned for him. Well, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, the the intent behind it. Yeah, we're yeah. We're, we're concerned for him, but we're not worried 
about what's what's going on. Well, there's a, there's a different things. motive there. There's when when you're stressed, you're trying to you're trying to take something on yourself. Yeah, and yeah. concerned is a a, a thought. Really, but we've all we all know people, and we've all seen people. I've seen you at times where I know there's an issue that's going on that you could be highly stressed about that is almost a, almost a crisis situation. But in the moment you realize we're not going to treat it as a crisis. We're just, look, what do we need to do? What's the next step? How do we, how do we handle this? Don't get all worried and frazzled about it and just go ahead and, and move on. That's concern, yeah. right? The concern is, all right, this didn't go the way we planned. Right. Like this morning, he wasn't there. Right. You know, your um, your first which thought. pushed me behind, which made me late getting here, and yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I have a problem with people being late. <laughs> um, uh, all right, your lack of planning is not my crisis. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, I've, and I'm I'm on both sides of it, so I'm uh, you know because there's times where I get frazzled. And and I, and people feel that on the other end, and so when somebody else is that way, I have way more compassion because I know how they, I know how they feel. So, and I've worked on it. I really have. Yeah. I, I have. I have gotten better at that. I'm just. I'm just one of those time. Yeah. I will start stressing about not being on time, which yes. is also a bad thing. You could take it too far the other way. For sure. You know, my. I've got the tale of two sons. I've got one that's just like me, and one that's just like his mom, and. And I say a lot of times, I wish I had a little more Landon in me sometimes. Yeah. Because Landon is so laid back, mm-hmm. but you just want to choke him sometimes because you're like, where are you at? Why aren't you down here? It's time to go. <laughs> I, I guess I'm nobody deals way. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, I, I've I've read this verse a thousand times. I mean, literally, probably a thousand times, and I've never paid too much attention to one word in that verse, and I've never paid that much attention to the word "cast." Hmm. Um, I haven't looked that word up, but I, I would think the the word "cast" means to kind of throw something, mm-hmm. to project something. Maybe um, it's definitely a verb, right? Uh, and that means we have to do something to get rid of our anxiety. It's not just a matter of being calm. It's a matter of doing. And what we're doing is we're taking that worry that we would normally have and we're saying, God, here, take this because his yoke is, and burden is easy and his yoke is light. But that also indicates that you got to have a conversation with him. You do. And so many times, I know for me, things that cause me to be anxious or stressed are typically things you don't want to talk about. You know, maybe 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 you've I don't know messed something up at work, and you're stressed about it, and you you don't want to talk to your boss about it, much less God about it. Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly what you need to do because you you can't cast you can't you can't do that action without talking first. And so many times we'll we'll go to God in prayer at night or in the morning or whenever you have your quiet time or both, and. And we'll talk about everything but the one thing we need to talk about. Yeah. And it's because we just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to confront it. And that's, there again, I've said it a million times, the devil wants to silence us. Yeah. And Well, maybe it's a little like this. You know, in order to cast something, in order to throw something, then, then whatever you're throwing it at has to be close enough mm. for them to catch it. Mm-hmm. Well, God's not close enough. If you haven't been talking with him, he, you're too far away from him. 
then you can't cast it on him, right? Uh, maybe that's the, the way to look at it. It's um, a good analogy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then he says to cast all your anxiety. And, and I think that's interesting because it means the big things and the small things. And that's hard. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part. It's never, I don't think, it's hard when, when we're, when we got a big thing going on. Uh, we've got a neighbor who actually, as we're doing this, she is in surgery to have hip replacement surgery. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You don't mind lifting that up to God, right. saying, God, you know, be with the doctors, and we, you know, we pray about those big things. But i got to do a tempo run this afternoon. Well, God cares about my tempo run, too. Mm-hmm. He cares about her hip, but he cares about my tempo run, too. He cares about everything. And we don't think it's, I don't think it's okay to go to God with the little things, but he says, he says it that we should go to him with everything. Well, this makes me think about, again, we, we were recording a 10K session yesterday in here, and we were talking about um, the power of group prayer, reaching out for prayer. And we talked about uh, your mom's funeral and my dad's funeral, how the most what, what the outside world would see is potentially one of the most stressful anxious times in our life when we lose a close loved one oftentimes it seems to be the most peaceful yeah and it's because we naturally have so many people praying for us number one because you may ask other people are asking on your behalf everybody knows that my dad passed away and therefore even if it's not big long prayers there's hundreds and maybe even thousands of people who are going to God that morning during their prayer time and say, you know, pray for the Hollis family, pray for the Thompson family, and and how it takes what could be the most stressful and anxious time in our life, and it makes it to be one of the peaceful. Well, don't we think it should be the same, or wouldn't it be the same if we take this anxious thing that we don't want to tell anybody about? Don't you think there's a correlation that it's because we're keeping it silent? You know, I tell my wife all the time, sometimes we'll go out walking and I'll just rant about something. What happens every time you do that? You feel better. You feel better. Yeah. And we're so hard-headed. I mean, (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking about all the times I've done this. Yeah. And if we just take it to God, take it to our prayer warriors, and lay it out there, it's never nearly what we make it out to be in our heads and what the devil makes it out to be in our silence. Yeah. Yeah. Another scripture passage, Isaiah 46, 4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. I wanted to add to that a a couple of verses later when he says this. Um, some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on their scale, on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a God and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place and there it stands from the, from that spot. It cannot move. Um, yeah, it's, oh, and then even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. And this is the problem with, with, with worry in general sure. in the world, right? We're, we're so worried about keeping our stuff, 
right. and having our stuff and building this, um, whatever it may be. Um, we, when we look at, have you ever thought about the average house today versus the average house in say the sixties? Insane. It is. I mean, the the average house today is probably at least twice as large as the as the average house in the sixties. Per capita. In ratio, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's more than that. Yeah. Why do we need all that space? Well, so we can get we can have all of our stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think the average square foot, like in the 50s, was like 1,100 square feet or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we build houses for a living, and we don't build houses under 2,500, 2,600 square feet anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just We're just a society of excess. Yeah. We are. Stuff. Stuff to cram our schedules. But the truth is, is that none of that stuff, just like these images, these golden images where they were melting this gold down and making these images, they were doing them no good. Right. Our stuff's doing us no good. Now, we may have fun with it. And there's There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, if you're out there and you're listening, you're like, these people are, they're anti, we're not anti. We're not anti having stuff. I love my stuff, right? Uh, And there's a lot of stuff. I, I like my watch, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> my watch helps me run and I love it and it's, it's good for me, but you can't rely on that. That no. that's not your relationship with God. That's your, your relationship with God is living and real. This watch is going to help me through a run and then it's not going to help me with anything significant other than that. Right? S- stuff there again, I, I talked about our schedule. Stuff fills your schedule. Yeah. You know, if you have a, if you have a boat or a camper or whatever, you feel like you have to be going and doing that. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a boat or a camper. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's is it is it taking you away from God? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Because honestly, before Run for God, before before I really got my life straight and and following closely with Christ, I had three boats at one time. How yeah. dumb is that? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably being a little bit transparent here, but um, you can only use one at a time. Yeah, I mean, we had a <laughs> it was and and four wheelers and just I mean, the building beside my house where Run for God now is used to be full of toys. Yeah, and I, I look back now and all that stuff was great. Number one, it kept you stressed out all the time trying to pay for it, and and number two it kept you too busy. Yeah. I was, I was miserable just trying to keep up the old cliche, keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. And, um, I don't do that anymore. And, and I'm much more happy now and at peace more. Yeah. Now. And so, and it yeah. goes back to the, the whole founding of, of run for God at that, that beca- at some point in time, when you have to work that hard for it and when it does take up that much of your time, it's, it's re- replacing God. It is becoming. Yeah, God. don't kid yourself. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, yeah, if you're not, you're I not hear sp- people say I can worship God on the lake, and I can. Mm-hmm. You can. I hear you, mm-hmm. but we don't. <laughs> right. Period. Right. I was there. Um, and yep. can you have a Bible study on the ball field? Yes. But you don't. But we don't. Yeah. Um, so churches, well, we're we're going down a rabbit trail. Well, and, and and this doesn't just go for stuff, right? It goes for somebody. Anything. Yeah. 
I mean, I know people who worship politics. Yeah. Right. I know people who their anger is so bad mm-hmm. that that has, it just controls everything that they do. It can be. And anything. that's only getting worse and worse. Yeah. It, it can be anything. Yeah. Question one. Can you identify a time in your life when you let worry take over because you didn't trust God? And how did it feel? Man, that's getting kind of, that's meddling a little bit. It is meddling a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can think of, I can think of a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and it, it's miserable. There again, it's it's usually when you're trying to keep quiet. It's usually when you don't want to talk about it. Um, and and you, you hold it in and, and it makes you miserable. And the devil would just eat your lunch mm-hmm. during those times. But, the minute you get it out there, I mean, light is a disinfectant. Yeah. It, it, it clean this stuff. And, yeah, I mean, the sooner you can get it out in the open, go to, I mean, I've, I've, I've had things in my past where I've had to have some hard conversations, but it's stuff I held in for years and years and years, and I took it to God, and in some cases I took it to somebody else that I needed to go to and, and ask forgiveness. Man, it's like just immediately immediately that stress and anxiety is gone and it's because you put light on it yeah yeah uh, this story wasn't about running um as as most of our stories are about running this one was not about running but let's if we bring it back to running a little less deep a little more superficial than what you were just talking <laughs> Get a little about. bit lighter yeah <laughs> um you know we we both know a girl who throws up before races regularly. Yeah. And why does she do that? Because she's worry. paralyzed with worry and fear yeah. over what she's going to do or not going to do in that right. race. And that's what it feels like. And that's what happens when worry takes over is she can't think of anything else mm-hmm. but the fear because of because of where she is. Um, physically, it's just it's not good for us. And mentally, it's it's not good for us. Um, it, it strikes me that this is probably one of the most difficult things to fix as a coach. Right. We, you know, I, I've seen a number of athletes, you know, we, we, we both know the one we're talking about, but there are many others mm-hmm. out there who just struggle. Um, and it's hard to figure out because you know, the truth, it's just like the person who is so wrapped up in all their stuff and all their boats and, and ATVs that, you know, the answer, you know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Get rid of some of that stuff, yeah. right? And and you'll be able to focus more on God. Well, the answer to running is real simple too. You know, you've done all this training, and doesn't matter how many times you say you've done all the training, you're in great shape, you're ready for this. Doesn't matter how many times you say it until you listen to it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything. And yeah. that's that's where people find find that they have trouble is just listening to it. Um. And I guess the question is, um, do you think God feels the same way when he looks down on us? You know, does he look down on us? Oh, of course. Just, just like, just like that, that girl who worries so much about her race that it paralyzes her and she doesn't perform well because she's so, the anxiety overtakes her. Does God look down at us and see the same thing? Sure. You know, that we're just, our anxiety, our worry, our stress, our our focus on something else just completely takes us out of the game. Well, and, and I know words are cheap and it's easy to say and all those things, but 
All you got to do, this is why, this is why, whether it's running, which we talk about often, or it's, it's struggles or valleys that you go through, it's why you have to look back. Mm-hmm. You know, our society says, forget the past, march forward. No, no, you've got to look back. Mm-hmm. Look at, I mean, think about all the great stories yep. that we've talked about on this podcast. They're all looking back. They're all looking back. It's yeah. it's not looking forward. It's helping to move us forward. But you got to look back at your struggles, whether it's it's running. You know, I, one year ago I couldn't run thirty seconds, and now I can run whatever. You know, whatever the where where wherever you're at in your running, if you look back, you see that that two mile run that I'm going to have to do this afternoon one year ago, and that you were so stressed about. That's your warm-up now. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our struggles, you know, the things that we struggle with and and that the evil one will make such a big deal about in our life. If you, you get a you get some time between you and it and you look back at it and you're like, what was I thinking? Why was I even stressed about it? It's kind of silly looking back. But in the moment, it looks like this big mountain. And that, there again, that's where we've got to get this stuff out and open. Yeah. I mean, it, and if it's if it's if it's running, it's it's talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, this young lady we're talking about, it gets a little bit better when we talk about it. Now, for her, it doesn't fix it, but you can tell she feels a little bit better as she talks about it. Yeah, um, it's true. But has she not talked about it and just sat and dwelled like we've seen her doing before? You can see it on her face before the race ever starts. A lot of times, especially if there's certain people there, you know, competition. You can see it written all over her face. Yeah. And she's just holding it in. Yeah, and sometimes, and I don't know if this is related or not, but I was thinking about this, comment, a comment this same girl made to me the other day. A week ago, um, I met her at the track, and I did a tempo run with her. And when we got through the tempo run, she was like, I never would have done that by myself. Mm-hmm. I needed you there. If you mm-hmm. weren't here, I wouldn't have completed that that run at that pace. And, you know, you always appreciate being a part and, and helping somebody. Well, we, I mentioned that we were going to be doing a, a tempo run this week. And she said, will you run with me? And I'm like, okay, I, we've got a whole team here. It's not just <laughs> like, it's, it's not just you and me this time. It's, it's everybody, and I've got to be there for everybody. And, but in her mind now, she's going to struggle with that run because I, I need that crutch. Mm. Wait, the only crutch we need is God. Yeah. That's the only crutch we need. Yeah. Can you identify a time when you let go and let God take over? And how did it feel? Lots of them. Yeah. And we've shared a number of them on right. this podcast. Um, just times that we've uh, kind of let God take over. And if you're listening to this, have you experienced what it feels like to let God take over? Um, and, and if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you just from the things that I've seen, my goodness, what a difference it can make. Um, but, you know, I've heard people say, well, I feel like I gave it to God and it didn't turn out like I thought it would. Um, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us they didn't give it to God. Mm-hmm. Because if it if if you say, if at the end, if you... 
you follow that with, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would, then what you're saying is— You really didn't want God's will. Yeah, God (laughs) did. Yeah, yeah. You were holding on loosely. God didn't give me what I wanted. Right. And so, and it's not—that's not the way it works, right? So, yeah. 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 All right. Last question. What can you do to worry less and trust God more? I have this in all caps, and I think it it's hard to worry and have gratitude at the same time. Huh. It's I mean if you think about that, if you're if you're grateful for what God's doing in your life, it's hard to worry about hardly anything if you if you truly have a grateful heart and you wake up and you're saying you know that's the way i always try to start my prayers is thanking god yeah for the things i have and that tends to minimize minimize because you realize how blessed you are yeah when you're grateful for all of these things but you're worried about this little thing it it minimizes that thing that you're worried about now obviously there's some things that can rise to to but even then, it doesn't rival all the ways you're blessed. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's the word I had written down for that question is is gratitude. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of positive things we can hang our hat on that are, sure. that are both God related and not God related. I mean, we we mentioned here recently that we, we live in such a rich country and we're so spoiled mm-hmm. by what the what we do have and what we have access to. Um, and this, uh, this, all of this worrying is, uh, is just, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that now. <laughs> but, We're blessed. But, but I mean, period. We, we, we should be grateful in everything we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be. Um, yeah. My, most of all, we need, <laughs> we need to look at God the way that puppy looks at Rhonda, right? That yeah. puppy now looks at Rhonda and, and, and is so thankful for the circumstances. And so when we're overwhelmed by good circumstances because we're looking up to God like that puppy looks up to Rhonda, well then why should we worry at that point? Right? But what what do we do? What what is our fallback? We we complain about not getting enough treats. Yeah. We were rescued <laughs> from a horrible life. Yeah. Sin. But God, you're not giving me enough stuff. <laughs> and that's what it's the children of Israel. That's why that <laughs> why it's talked about so much in, in the Old Testament is because we can learn so much from that because that's exactly who we are. Yeah. Um, with the exception, we've got Jesus now. Yeah. And, and what, of course, Rhonda's... Pulled. Yeah, yeah. And Rhonda's story is about a puppy. Sure. And it's easy to go, well, that's just, that's a puppy. That's different. Well, let me tell you this. And I've, I've shared on here before, my son and my daughter-in-law have adopted mm-hmm. are about hopefully to adopt a six-year-old girl. This this girl spent, in her first five years of her life, she spent her time in six different homes. Mm. Not, no different than this puppy, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, same thing, except she had more reason to distrust. Sure. She understood the things that were going on and the way she was being bounced around like a, like a ping-pong ball. Um, and it has taken them a year to gain her trust. And for her to get to the point where she, you know that for, for months all she was thinking was, okay, it's probably probably today mm-hmm. they're going to let me know. They're going to send me off somewhere else, right? right? And oh, you, you think that day after day after day. But after a while, 
she sees more of these days of, hey, everything's fine. Hey, these people love me. Mm-hmm. Hey, these people are feeding me. They're clothing me. They're doing all of these things for me. I'm, I'm participating in T-ball, and I'm getting to do all these cool things. I'm going over to my uncle's house and going swimming, and I'm doing all these great things. And she's getting to the point now where she realizes, man, there's a lot more positive mm-hmm. in my life than all those negative things that happened to me in the past. Sure. It's the same way with God. There's so many positive things. That a lot we, don't we can learn with. there. Yeah. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. So, Lane is in Utah right now, isn't he? So, how are you doing with that? He is. He's been there for almost a week now. Uh, Going to be there for about three more weeks. Um, I'm doing better than I thought. Yeah, you good. know, uh, this has kind of been a, a year in the making, or months in the making. I, I kind of stepped away from coaching him in January and. You know, he graduated, and we're kind of, even though he's going to be living at home, going to college, because he's going to college just right up the road, he's running on a scholarship, we've been kind of cutting some freedoms, you know, letting him have some more freedoms, and so, yeah, I mean, we, of course, with technology, you know, we talk to him, we FaceTime him every night, and and it's funny, I ask him, you know, his altitude, and he's yeah. he's training with the top guys in the nation, which he's loving, uh, he's actually training with some of the pros, and he's loving that. Um, he's actually Dar and Austin and uh, are out there with him, and so cool. he's loving that. But <laughs> I asked him last night, I said, sir, have you adjusted to the altitude yet? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I feel like I'm about to die. Uh, uh, he said, I, you just you, you get, can't go very long until your heart rate just spikes, and it's yeah. just because of the lack of oxygen. But that's the whole idea, you know, it a is. month out there and he'll come back here feeling like a freight train, Yep, which is the idea. So yeah, he's loving it. Um, yeah, there's, there's a reason why the, some of the best, uh, cross country teams in the country are at altitude. Well, but you know, we, we, we joke about it, but I actually mentioned it, um, at the beginning of the podcast that, you know, heat and humidity which we have right here in Georgia is what we call the poor man's altitude. That's right. Uh, it kind of does the same thing, even though the 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 benefits are are longer lasting, you know, with with true altitude. Uh, but in the moment, they feel about the same. <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know. The stress to your body at altitude is is just it's a weird feeling. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. Well, you know, the first time he went to. He's at the Olympic Training Center now in Park City. And a couple years ago, he went to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And we went out there with him on that one because he was younger. And uh, the first day we got, we got there a day early, and he had a track workout that he was supposed to do. And him and I got up early and went to the track in Colorado Springs. And I hadn't even thought about it. And (laughs) he was supposed to, I think it was 400s. 
and I don't remember what the time that he was supposed to hit, but let's let's say it was a 105. I don't know what it was, 105. And he came through in 115, and he put his hands on his knees, and he said, I don't know what's wrong. He said, I, I'm kind of worried. You know, I'm about to start this camp. He said, but I feel like I'm breathing through a straw. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, we're at 7,000 7, 7, feet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like he got a dose of – and it was kind of cool to see it happen because, you know, it was kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a placebo. He, yeah, he didn't know it. Yeah. And so you got to see, you know, some people go to altitude and they're like, you know, there's a little bit of you that might milk it. Yeah. But he didn't even know. Yeah. And yeah. so I got to see the raw effect of. Yeah. You know, he was ten seconds off his pace and just absolutely dying. So yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, if I know Lane, he is out there being a bright, shining light to those around him, too. I hope so. You know, that's that's the thing that, that kind of worried me a little bit because, you know, he's out there with the top guys in the nation. There's a there's a lot of personalities out there, mm-hmm. um, a lot of different worldviews. And, you know, as a dad, that kind of – we talk about worry. Um, but Lane's solid. I mean, he's yeah. – he's, um, I shouldn't worry because he's – he he's very vocal. We about just talked his faith. about that worry thing. Yeah, you know. So. Well, and that's that's just it. I yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah. Um. And uh, he's got a solid foundation. He does for sure. Yeah. All right, it's time for Dean's thoughts. That's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. So, are you focused on what you wear when you run? Everyone t- tends to land in one of two category, either one. Fashion is part of running, and therefore it's important. Or two, as long as I'm decent, I don't care what I wear. My wife would argue that I'm not even number two. <laughs> you don't care if you're decent? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's like literally made me go in and change my clothes before. Uh, my wife Because, you know, blue jeans aren't comfortable until they get some holes in them. Yeah. <laughs> in places that you probably don't need holes. But uh, they're the most comfortable. <laughs> Well, this story is called Designer Labels. What do you wear when you run? I remember a time when there weren't many choices in running gear. When you look at photos from races 30 years ago, it's pretty obvious that we have come a long way in performance running gear. Are you one of those who likes to have the latest and greatest running apparel on the market? Or are you one of those who wear whatever feels comfortable, no matter the brand name? There is a place for both in the running world. Have you ever been to a race where they call out the winner's name and he goes up to get the award? He doesn't look like a serious runner because his warm-ups don't match. It's not in, neither in color, size, or brand. Uh, or he's wearing a 20-year-old T-shirt with the sleeves cut off. Uh, that would be me. Uh, I don't put any worth on the logo that is printed on the outside of my running gear. Some of it's name brand, but not much of it is. I won't skimp on my shoes. But I just look for quality apparel that I that can get the job done. And this is the best part. I've never had anyone come up to me and say, why do you wear such cheap running clothes? Runners really don't care. And I think that's a good thing. When I was younger, I was pretty hardcore about it. I would purposefully wear gray baggy Russell sweat bottoms and a yellow top just to be anti-establishment. I would cut the sleeves off my sweatshirts. Back then, it was kind of Axel Foley style, if you're familiar with the Beverly Hills Cops movies. 
Today, I just buy whatever is most cost-effective and that fits my need. Anything I have that bears a name brand probably came off a sale rack or was given to me as a gift. One of the great things about running is the ability to participate at such a low cost. If you're worried about what other runners think about or other runners around you think about what you wear, stop it. Most of them don't care. And if, by chance, someone does care, their focus is off anyway. You'll find runners to be very accepting crowd. As a matter of fact, most of them would rather see you there in whatever you wish to wear than to know you're at home sitting on the couch. Name brands really don't mean that much. And style is another thing you shouldn't worry about. I've been through many iterations of running shorts. When I was young, there was really only one kind of true running short. They were the very short, they were very short and made of a light nylon. I would say most of today's elite runners still wear shorts similar to those. But there are other choices. Most people in our area wear much longer running shorts. They're made out of the same material, just much longer, almost touching their knee. This is certain, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I spent many years wearing that style. But more recently, I've switched to the short, tight type of shorts. Triathletes wear them a lot, maybe because they resemble cycling shorts. I have found that I have no chafing issues with them, and that is 100% my reason for wearing them. It doesn't matter to me that I am in the minority when I run. And to make it even better, the shorts I wear most of the time are not name brand. They have a little pocket on the side where I can stash my phone, which I never ran with in the past. So I am wearing an unpopular brand and an unpopular style, and I'm perfectly okay with it. I may find myself in a group of 15 on a Saturday morning run, and I'll be the only one wearing short tights. I don't care. They're comfortable. And if anyone doesn't like it, they haven't told me. Maybe because they know I don't care. After all that, please don't get me wrong. If you like the nicer stuff, by all means wear it. My point is that you're not going to be judged by what you wear if you choose something different from others. Comfort, both physical and financial, are more important anyway. Just like designers have created different brands or different fabrics and styles, each meant to carry out a different function or purpose, God created each one of us for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When it comes time to decide what you're going to do with your life, there are an infinite number of paths you can choose. But God has one path picked out for you that is optimal. He has a purpose for your life. God designed you for that purpose. I'm thankful for the person who designed the short tights that I like to wear. Although I'm a little against the grain in my running short choice, it is right for me. When we're Christians, we are often called to go a little against the grain in our daily choices. God didn't design us for an ordinary life. Any life that is lived for the creator of the universe is never ordinary. You were designed by the master designer, the same God that created the heavens and the earth. We should all be thankful for our designer. That's one designer label even I can get behind. That's a great story, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced this is where me and you are simpatico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> don't care. Don't care. I don't. Just. No, you know, when I did, a, I've done a couple Ironmans, and in Ironman training, the compression socks 
really help. I mean, you'd have a three-hour run one day and a four-hour bike the next day, and it just even if it's just a mental thing, it, it, it they feel good. And but I was I was too cheap to buy. You know, nowadays they have the designer. You know, well when I first started wearing them, I went to Kroger and I went to the medical aisle and I bought the real compression yeah. socks like the medical grade ones that, yeah. which are probably actually better because they're medical grade it's what they actually put on you before you go into surgery but they look like white pantyhose yeah and my wife i would wear those and we'd be getting ready to go somewhere and i would have them on and she's like no you're not wearing those i said yes i am and i would wear them out and she would she would not be seen with me in those but yeah i'm I'm just like you. Holes in it. I don't care. You know, just that's why I love Run for God because as of January 2010, my wardrobe got very simple. Yeah. It's a Run for God t shirt, a Run for God polo, or a Run for God hoodie. That's my year round attire. Yeah. And either jeans or shorts. Yeah. Very simple. I, I don't, I don't yeah. need to have flashy clothes. You know, I kind of taking this to hunting. I used to have a buddy. I like to to duck hunt and deer hunt, do a little bit of turkey hunting. But I had a I used to have a buddy that went hunting with us, and we always used to make fun of him because he was the guy that it mattered more how he looked than how good of a hunter he actually was. I mean, yeah. he would get out of the car, and he would look like he's about to go on the cover of Outdoor Magazine. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> he spent all his time focused on the look rather yeah. than the sport which yeah, i think you say somewhere here you love to pass those eight thousand dollar bikes in a yeah. triathlon yeah. it's the same thing yeah you yeah. know it's you can't ever tell you can't ever gel we we struggled with this with when the kids were young and coaching yeah. them yeah because when somebody steps out and they look like a very good runner it can be kind of intimidating, especially for a ten-year-old. Yeah. Are they? They show up to a triathlon and they pull a ten thousand dollar bike out of the car. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, them they must be fast. And it took us so long to convince these kids that you can't, you can't tell a runner or a triathlete by looking at them or their bike. Yeah. And I'm so much like this. I'm so much like you that, you know, there came a time where Lane actually needed. A really good bike yeah you know i had a really 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 nice triathlon bike at one time i didn't need that yeah i didn't that my bike will never slow me down me is the problem for me on the bike <laughs> and so somebody actually pointed that out to me they said lane is still riding an aluminum bike which is a heavier bike yeah and he's ranked in the top five of the nation and he's still on an aluminum bike and you're riding this really expensive triathlon bike, which you don't need. And it was so convicting. Yeah. And so I sold it, and I bought Lane a really nice bike yeah. because Lane's bike was actually slowing him down. But for most of us, yeah, we just need the cheap stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's it's good to not be picky. I like not being picky. Um, I like the Axel Foley reference, though. That, you like that? I, that brought back a memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there were two styles that I went through. Now, Axel Foley style, that was one of those things where it was comfortable. 
It, there was something comfortable mm-hmm. about just cutting off. Because uh, back then, and I don't know why it was different back then, because now most of the time you get a sweatshirt, the sleeves are usually pretty long, mm-hmm. I guess because it annoyed people back then. But most of the time back then, it was hard for me to find something that fit me in mm-hmm. the body, and the sleeves were long enough. So it was perfect for me. But I also remember, this is embarrassing. I probably shouldn't even mention this. I remember going through the Miami Vice days, too, mm. where I had three or four of the jackets, you know, that look like, yeah, yeah, I went through that, too. So I can just barely remember that. I was like little bitty. That's the only. You were probably like in high school or something, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the only style I can think of that I ever that that ever. There was Miami Vice, to... and then there was the the Michael Jackson jumpsuit, the red jacket, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. I know my brother had that. Oh, did he? Well, yeah, I didn't. Care we're not supposed it. to talk about him anymore. But oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Or his bald head. That's, <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about that either, right? Maybe he won't listen to this. Maybe one. not. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's funny because I heard this when I was a kid about how as you get older, comfort becomes way more important and you worry a lot less about style. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that I understand every every adult that said that to me when I was a kid. <laughs> I completely understand now. Yeah, but I think I've always kind of been I've always kind of bucked the system on on name. Brand. You know, there's a difference in quality and name brand. Like, yeah. like I have, I own quite a bit of, a few guns and you, you get what you pay for in a, a gun. Number one, you can sell it for years later for more than what you even paid for it. But there's, the quality is really something. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget one of mine in Lane's probably harshest standoffs was, and he was wanting to buy this with his own money and I wasn't wanting him to. He wanted a set of Beats headphones. Yeah, you remember that all the yeah. all the kids had these Beats headphones. Number one, I didn't like what they stood for. I don't like the person that was behind them. But they're headphones, and, and there's a lot of other headphones that are better quality than them for that for that price. For less price, yeah. For for cheaper price, yeah. it's kind of like the whole Rolex thing. Um, I don't know if I've told this story on here. I used to uh, fish with a guy. He was a pretty wealthy guy, and uh, somebody may correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't. I don't think I am. This, this is what he told me. But he had bought uh, both of his sons a Rolex for Christmas, which I was like, "What? What are you thinking?" I mean, they were like yeah. twenty at the time. And uh, then we got to talking a little bit later, and he was talking about how uh, the real Rolexes um, you have to wind them, and they're actually not a super accurate timepiece. Um, they they get a little bit off each year, and you have to set them. And, and I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I said you're buying the most expensive timepiece probably in the world, and it's not even a good timekeeper. Yeah. How does that even make sense? But it's all about it's a Rolex. I've always wondered how how, how does Rolex get to that point. How do you get to be that brand that charges so much money and not be as high quality? That, I, that's what I can't understand. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe at one time they were really high quality, and then other watches just surpassed them in quality. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't get that. I see that in a lot of products. But actually. you can go buy a twenty nine dollar Iron Man watch, and it keeps just perfect time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your phone keeps perfect time. Yeah. Now. Um, 
See, yeah, I've I've never been big on the whole. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, one of the things uh, here's one about about me when I was young. We didn't have much money when I was young. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were truly. Um, we we had a house. Um, I grew up my younger years. We lived in a in a mobile home, um, but then we we moved. We had a house, but we had very little money. I I didn't have nice stuff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford Nike shoes mm-hmm. back then. When Nike was, if you were anybody, you had Nike shoes. I, we bought stuff from Kmart. Mm-hmm. That's where we got shoes from. And I remember being at basketball practice or basketball tryouts. And I couldn't stand up on the court because my shoes were slick on the bottom. Well, everybody else had these nice shoes that they could stop on a dime and change direction. I couldn't do it because the shoes that I had weren't made out of real rubber. Mm-hmm. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why today uh, I, I think the, my experiences from then and my parents were doing the best they could. Mm-hmm. This is not throwing shade on my parents whatsoever. But I think because I went through that, that's, that's why today, if I'm going to buy something, I want I want something to be good, high quality. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, yeah, name brand doesn't. With, I, yeah, name brand doesn't means nothing to right. me. But those those running shorts that I describe in this this story, they're crazy comfortable, and they're 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 less than half right. the price of the brand name ones, and I, that's all I'm going to wear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I wear it as a badge of honor. And I think you do too. Yes, yeah. it's, it's almost like we do that to make the statement rather than get the name brand to make the statement. We go the other way. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. All right, we're back, and as of this recording, we haven't begun the Olympic trials, though by the time it airs, the Olympic trials will have begun, but we have seen the NCAA championships, and I don't know if you saw the women's steeplechase race. Did you see it? <laughs> I did not. It was <laughs> it was spectacular. See, this is where we're not simpatico. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would rather watch that paint dry on that wall right there than to watch a track meet on tv oh my gosh it was so awesome <laughs> man in the finals of the steeplechase this the the lady who won her name is mahala norris she's from air force let me set this up for you okay this girl is four feet 11 inches tall now understand what the steeplechase is right it's the barriers half as high as she is you have to jump over these barriers she looked like a kid next to everybody else was running that because in in general the steeplechase is typically a taller person's sport and she's four feet 11 inches tall so she's tiny to start with she had never been at the ncaa finals in her life and this was only the fourth time she had ever run the steeplechase 
She had only started running the steeplechase the month before. So uh, all of these factors came into play, and here she is. She finds herself, and she's like, uh, you know, I'm, she had a pretty good cross-country season. Um, and so she, no, excuse me, her first time running it was May 1st. Yeah, she ran at her conference meet, and she won at her conference meet, and then she ran it at regionals, and she qualified for nationals by finishing sixth at regionals to qualify for nationals. Um, she, she gets into the championship. She had the eighth fastest qualifying time for the final. So it's like she's just an also-ran, right? Nobody's even thinking about her. But I'm watching her, and she just keeps hanging up with the leaders. She keeps hanging in there with the leaders, and then all of a sudden the leaders, the, the pack gets down to five or six. She's still there. And then it gets down to three, and she's still there. And you're like, this, this, this little girl, she, she's just going to hit a wall. She's going to die at some point in time. And she just never does. And then when you see these bigger athletes, all of a sudden they start picking it up and you think, okay, she's done now. And there, here she comes again. She gets over that last barrier and she actually gains ground after the last water jump. She gains ground. She's almost even with them. And then on the last barrier, she loses more ground. And then after the last barrier, she runs them down, out sprints them, and leans at the line and wins by like just hundreds of a second. I'm watching the win right now. Oh, it's isn't it awesome? It's just oh, great I mean that was that was a photo finish right there. Yeah, just gutsy, just yeah. gutsy. She was like, "I'm just going to stay with the leaders as long as I can." So see, I mean, I watched the end of it, and so I've watched it. You got the whole picture. Got the whole picture. You commentated <laughs> it and everything. Great job. Man. Oh. Another thing that happened, Javon Harrison, he's from LSU. He won the high jump and the long jump. You ever seen anybody win those two events? That's an odd combination. Although, as Is I it really? As I understand it, there's a kid from Northwest who does really well on both the high jump and the long jump. See, I thought both of those would have been, you got to be fast yeah. to do both of them, don't you? Well, you got to be fast for the long jump. You don't have to be fast for the high jump. You don't? No. Mm-mm. No, I didn't know that. High jumpers don't. Now, a lot of high jumpers may be fast, but a lot of high jumpers are really tall, so they're not all that fast. Um, so, yeah, long jump, high I jump. Thought, I thought faster momentum would spring you higher. Is that not how that works? No, they actually, high jumpers, it's it's complicated, but the, the turn, they call it, for a high jumper, depends on how, dep- your turn depends on how fast you are. So the slower you are, the faster your turn. Mm. The faster you are, the more turn you can have because you've got more momentum going in. So, yeah, it's, uh, mm. it's different. But this Javon Harrison guy, he won this high jump. He does, it's like he looks like a high school high jumper. He, he, it's like he doesn't even know what he's doing. And he's jumping like, I don't remember what he jumped, but, you know, well over seven feet. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he's so athletically gifted yeah. that it looks like freak, it was freaky. And then Tyra Gittens won the high heptathlon, and then she was second in the long jump and third in the high jump. Um, scored 24 points as an individual at the NCAA label uh, level. That's just crazy. Wow. Um, LSU just ran away with it for the men, and then US, USC did the same thing for the women. And I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you don't know this. But the coach for USC, who has brought them to so many, so many championships, just changed schools. Do you, really? know, do you know where she went? I have no idea. The University of Georgia. Really? That's right. So She got smart then. The University of Georgia men's team is the first major uh, college men's team to have a women's coach, from what I understand. Really? Yes. So hmm. it's interesting. 
And then North Carolina A&T, which is a traditionally black school that uh, is not not highly looked at it from a from a, a competitive standpoint, was in the top five in both the men's and the women's. Um, they won the the four hundred the four by four. Um, just they got some great sprinters. Just mm. fantastic. So cool stories. Cool stories. Another trivia question. Another Olympic theme this time. And um, so. I, I, we're not going to do we're not going to do the trick thing this time. Okay. So there and most people, a lot of people are going to know this off the top of their head. This one's much easier than many of our questions, but um, it's a little bit deeper. There are only two men who have ever won four gold medals in the same Olympic Games in track and field. Coincidentally, they were for the same four events both times. Who were those two men, and what were the events that they won? You had me to. You said track and field. Oh my goodness! Because I'm pretty sure you know these two names. Really? I well, get... I'm pretty sure Michael Phelps and Mark Spitz would fit into that category. Yeah, but they won eight medals, right? Well, but it was at least four. Yeah, which is what yeah. this says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was for track and field. We're we're, you we're always runners. get me on these we're track runners and here. field. We're runners that, here. Come on. Well, okay. So let's talk about the marathon. <laughs> We have. <laughs> uh, every week I share a reason why running is so awesome, and this week the reason is it's a good sport for the less athletic among us. You know, I know some people who are not really very well coordinated that are pretty decent runners. Hmm. It's interesting to me. Um, yeah, Anybody can do it. Yeah, really. They really can. It, it yeah. really is something that anybody can do. Um <laughs> I, I always wondered about my grandmother on my father's side. I remember watching her. She was so uncoordinated in everything she did. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen a human being less coordinated than my grandmother was. You know, you've played pool before, mm -hmm. right? Anybody can play pool. Mm -hmm. One would think. <laughs> she, couldn't hit, she couldn't hit the cue ball with a stick. Well, I have. yeah, I have seen some. I have seen some people like that. Oh, my goodness. Just, yeah. Uh, everything she did, she would try. She would go in. She'd try anything. Yeah. She didn't care. She'd make a fool of herself trying anything. Uh, yeah. That's what I loved about her. Uh, but I, I, but I, she never ran. I wonder if she could have been a good runner. <laughs> Maybe that's where my running talent ultimately Maybe came from. Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> Our motivational thought of the week. If people are doubting how far you can go, go so far that you can't hear them anymore. I love that quote. I've seen that before. I, I like don't that. know that I've seen it before, but yeah, it comes from Michael Michelle Ruiz, rather. Um, she's an entrepreneur, TV personality, and author. Just a motivational speaker, one of those type of people. Yeah, um, but I love that thought of just just run far enough away from them; they they can't Prove you can't wrong. hear them anymore. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, and and, and I've always said as a coach. Whether it's coaching or just being a leader in industry in the, in the time that I was, I've always, I've always told people, here's the deal. We're moving forward. Mm -hmm. You can get on the bus or you can stay at the bus stop. Mm -hmm. I don't care. But the rest of us, we're going and we're making progress. And, uh, and I think that's, that's kind of what this quote is. Yeah. It's like we're going to get on the bus and move. And if you don't want to be close enough to me to be able to still speak to me, that's fine. I yeah, some of the most motivating words out there are you can't do that. It's true. <laughs> it's true. 
but you know, there are some people who would rather be left behind than to yeah. do the hard work. That's the scary thing. And the, yeah. the sad thing, I guess, is really. All right, everybody. You're doing great. Keep it all up. Keep it up. Um, keep up the good training. Keep up the good running. Keep up those motivational posts. We love, 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 love to if see If you're those. not a member of Run Club, what are you waiting for? We haven't said this in a few weeks. But it's, how, how many cents is it a day? 27, 27 cents? 27 cents a day. day. Join right now. I mean, a piece of bubble gum a day. Well, I listened to a podcast that the, 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 the guy who hosts this podcast, he'll tell people, he'll go, subscribe now. And he says when he does that, that more people subscribe when he's Do really forceful about that? it. So subscribe now. So as part of the subscription, I just got an email during this podcast from our great friend, Rebecca McGeorge. And she says she's trying to plan out 2022, and she's wanting to know, are we doing the couch to marathon again? And we are. And we are. We know what the answer to that is. Are we going to tell the goal? Should I put the goal out there? You already, you've already said it. Have I? You have already said it. You've 10, already 000. shared it. Yep. 10,000. Yep. We 10, hit 1,700 this past January, and the goal is 10,000. Yeah. How awesome is that going to be? <sighs> we're going we're gonna to graduate at a different race. Yeah, uh, we're working on the details of that right now. Um, it's going to still in the southeast where it's going to be warm in January. Yep. Um, or, or warmer. Yeah. You never know this time that time of year. Yeah. But yeah, you're doing great. If you're uh, if you're on the Couch to Marathon Challenge right now, you're doing great. If you're not on it, check it out. Um, we'll have some information coming very soon on on next year's Couch to Marathon. Uh, but go ahead and join Run Club now. Get acquainted with everybody. There's a lot of awesome stuff goes on on the Facebook group especially. Uh, there's all kind of training plans that are free to members. Uh, and the Couch to Marathon is free to members. So go ahead and get joined now and, and be ready when we start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in other words, what you're saying is subscribe now. Subscribe now. <laughs> all right, everybody. May God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Great job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.